I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. There's no doubt about it, Nashville is a hockey town. Almost anywhere you turn, you're going to see Predators Gold. Of course, it hasn't always been this way. 25 years ago, the team was doing Hockey 101 classes with potential fans, but it's definitely true now. And from the beginning, David Poyle has led the Predators organization, serving as the only general manager in its history. Until now, at the end of this month, Poyle will be leaving his post as GM. Later this hour, we'll talk with him about his career and what makes Smashville a special place for hockey. But first, it's time for Add Us. Each week, we read, we take time to read the comments so you don't have to. Yes, I am encouraging you to literally at us on Twitter at ThisIsNashville and on Instagram at ThisIsNashville underscore WPLN. Joining me now with a look back at the past week is our executive producer, Andrea Tuthope. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Khalil. Happy uh, this week is almost over day. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Okay, so what's been percolating this past week? Well, it's been a little quiet this week, but you know our listeners are never never completely quiet. That is true. <laughs> we re-aired our episode on ice cream last Friday, which we first aired last summer, because really, when is it the wrong time to talk about ice cream? You, you know, know, always if you're lactose intolerant like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, our listeners still chimed in last Friday with a few recommendations around town. Uh, Rachel Kessner gave a shout out to the Maggie Moose food truck. And Miriam Mims recommended the chocolate-dipped soft serve from the Dairy Queen on West End, a classic. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I'm lactose intolerant, I like to, let's say, roll the dice every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Tuesday's episode. Yes, let's. That was a lot of fun. 6-1 Tribe was in the house. Yes, so 6-1 Tribe is a Nashville hip-hop collective, and they are WNXP's Artist of the Month for June. Our senior music writer, Julie Height, produced this episode for us to highlight their music and how they found their styles here in Music City. Mm -hmm. And we got a tweet from 6-1 Tribe after the show. They wrote, quote, super grateful for the love, could talk about what we are building all day. And I felt like the This Is Nashville crew would have eagerly listened to every word, close quote. We really would have. Yep. We, are, <laughs> yep. we are a team of eager listeners for sure. You should hear how long our pre-interview calls go sometimes. <laughs> really, though? You know, we got a lot of love for that episode with 6-1 Tribe on Twitter and Instagram. And if you missed it, you can always listen back to the podcast. So another episode that got a lot of love, well-deserved, too, was last Wednesday's show about the jazz scene and the 50th anniversary of Jazzy 88 WFSK. I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. Music City, baby. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got a tweet from Kim William Justice. He wrote, this was such a joyous episode and such a delight to hear. It could have been a two-parter. I grew up in Nashville and I know there are serious problems we need to grapple with, but I'd love for maybe one of 10 episodes to have the same happy tone of celebration this one did. Mm, I agree. And you know, I, I really love that our show allows space for celebrations like that. Me too. And that episode in particular was such a joy. You should have seen us in the control room during the live broadcast. Um, our guest, WFSK general manager Sharon Kay, was seriously cracking all of us up. Yep. Like just dropping gems left and right. I actually think my face hurt from smiling that hour. <laughs> it was a joy. I stayed talking to her 20 minutes after the show <laughs> finished. Okay. So I understand we just stumbled upon an article written about our trucking episode. Is that right? Yes. This almost flew past our radar, uh, but Todd Dills did this amazing write-up for Overdrive Online 
about the careful, thoughtful work our producer Magnolia McKay did while booking that episode. Um, I'd love to just read a few lines. Please do. Okay. So Todd wrote, this is Nashville, quote, this is Nashville was in the process of putting together a trucking focused episode and had some background type questions for me as a sort of gut check on what they were hearing from owner operators and others around trucking. End quote. It's a super detailed article, which I really appreciate. Um, TLDR, he said, we touched on things that are really important to the trucking community. And he gave us kudos for, quote, doing more than just the obvious with the topic. Um, one example he gave was how we highlighted share the road advice for non-truckers. And he gave you a shout out for your ride with longtime trucker Sean Davis. Yes, that was a lot of fun. I definitely learned that I've been doing some things wrong, but I will say. I've been right ever since today, merging on the 65. Look at you. I gave him this space, baby. <laughs> Living and learning. Yes, right. <laughs> Anything else we got? Yes. So I always like to check to see what people are saying in our community survey. By the way, it is super easy to find. It's on our site. This is Nashville.org. It's really, really easy to fill out. I tell you that after every show, just a few questions asking what you want from our show. Yeah. And we, we get a lot of uh, a lot of people writing in all the time. So I, I checked it out uh, this morning and one listener wrote in recently, Jan from Hillsboro. She wrote in to share that being part of the global community is really important to her. She points out that 10,000 Villages in Hillsboro is a nonprofit fair trade store that kind of exemplifies how to foster that kind of global community, which reminds me of our episode yesterday. Yes, we talked about Nashville's sister cities, which are partnerships meant to foster and exchange for of cultures. Now, Nashville has had a long history of building these relationships, but I could totally see doing another show that highlights some of the other ways we're connected to the rest of the world. You know, and I really think that that's important, even if, even though it can feel like, you know, we're all disconnected and far away sometimes. Yeah, totally. Thanks for writing in, Jan. She also shared some kind words about the show uh, that I just wanted to share. She wrote, I've been impacted by your show, participating in events and visiting places. Loved the show in particular about the blues scene in Nashville. I just want to say I love to hear when people are um, activate, activated by our episodes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just really makes me feel like we're doing something good. Agreed. Agreed. It does feel really good. That is our executive producer, Andrea Tudhope. Thanks for this roundup, Andrea. Anytime. And don't forget to add us on Twitter at and Instagram. Let's keep the comments coming. Also, again, fill out our community survey to let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org. It's super easy and quick and helps us produce these shows with your needs and your interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with Nashville Predators General Manager David Poyle, who is stepping down at the end of this month. Are you a Preds fan? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. The game of hockey has been a major part of David Poyle's life. When you're the son of an NHL Hall of Famer, that tends to happen. After being a star hockey player at Northeastern University, Poyle played professionally before making the transition from the ice to the front office, working in Atlanta, Calgary, and Washington. Then, in 1997, he became the general manager of an expansion team located in a small city with a ton of potential. That city? 
Nashville. And he's held that position with the Predators ever since. But at the end of this month, he'll step down as the team's first GM. So how does he look back at the past 55 years in professional hockey? He joins me now to talk about it. David Poyle, thanks for being with us and welcome to This is Nashville. Well, thank you very much. That was a very nice uh, introduction and uh, 55 years and in, uh, in, in basically one job, certainly one sport uh, is uh, even impressive to me that I've, <laughs> I've been in the business this this long. But uh, coming to Nashville was uh, the best decision that I ever made in my my life, my professional life. And uh, uh, I've, I've loved every every minute of it. And I'm, I'm in a couple of weeks, I'm going to miss this a lot, but it's the right time for me and my family, and I think it's the right time for the Predators. Well, congratulations to you, sir. Tell me, how are you feeling about this decision to step down after all this time? Well, it's it's a hard decision. I mean, uh, as I've told many people, I'm the luckiest guy going because I only ever wanted to have one job, and that was to be a NHL general manager, and I've had that job uh, both here in Nashville and Washington for a total of 41 years, which longer than anybody else has ever been a manager in the, in the National Hockey League. So I've been really fortunate. I mean, I tell people it's pretty easy for me to get up every every day because I'm so uh, passionate about the game of hockey. I, I love my 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 job and uh, I, I love the, the community in Nashville and all, all the things that go together with the uh, being the general manager of the National Hockey League in, in with the Predators. So it's 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 uh, I've had a long time to think about this because I met with the owners uh, last summer just to say that I felt this is my last year and uh, uh, we started formulating a, a plan and eventually uh, I hired my replacement in Barry Trotz, the first coach here with the Predators for 15 years. So I'm, I'm feeling very good about the situation, feeling very confident about the situation and leaving it in a, in a good place and in good hands with Barry and all the other people that we have in the organization. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know how the transition is going to be exactly. I think I'm going to be good, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you never know. What are some of your plans? Vacations? Spend more time with family? Yeah, absolutely. The family part. My wife, uh, we, we've been married uh, be 52 years coming up here in a couple of couple of weeks. And, you know, I've uh, honestly, the you know, priority wise, uh, you know, you say your family is number one and your job is number two. And sometimes uh I, I haven't been able to keep that in the correct order. I need to get that and want to get that in the correct order. Uh, so I've got grandkids now, and uh, you know, we certainly are starting to formulate some plans in terms of family events and also some travel and doing some things that uh, the hockey schedule didn't allow you uh, to do. So I'm pretty excited about that. My wife's pretty excited about that. So you know, there's there's another chapter of our, of our lives that's uh, just about ready to start. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of family. Let's go back to your childhood and how you fell in love with hockey. Your dad is the Hall of Famer, Bud Poyle. Tell me, what was it like growing up being so close to the game? Well, it was hockey 24-7, uh, 365 days, days a year. It was just, that was just seemed to be our life, whether it be in the hockey season or in the summer, we were always going, uh, you know, to hockey schools or hockey camps or something related to, to hockey all all the time uh, the, the dinner table was uh always a lot of, from a social standpoint uh, friends family players in those days used to come over to our house quite frequently and i was just there all all the time uh, as a young young guy i got to 
you know, go to practices with my dad, be in the room with my dad as he was a coach or with the, the manager. Uh, I went to drafts with him where he in- integrated with, uh, you know, other general managers, agents, things, things like that. I was just uh, like, uh, in terms of my resume, uh, it, it was unbelievable to have all of this hockey, hockey background. So, um, yeah, it, it was great. And I guess, you know, I went, when I, you said earlier, I went to Northeastern University and, um, you know, I guess I always thought I would be a really good player. Well, I was okay in college, but that didn't translate too well to, to pro hockey. So I guess subliminally, I always thought I was going to get into hockey. And fortunately, you know, from all of the background and uh, growing up with my dad's uh, huge, huge presence in hockey, I'd met a lot of people and you know, right away I started started in hockey with an expansion team with the Atlanta Flames, and it just it just you know grew, grew from there. And I I've always felt really comfortable in the business, love the business, have the passion for the for the game. So uh, uh, as I said earlier, a lucky guy to you know get the job that I've always wanted and had it for so long. You've always wanted this job, and you, it's it's a really interesting perspective you have because your dad was a player, a coach, a general manager, and a league executive. So you got to sit inside the war room when I'm sure discussions of free agents are being held. When, like you mentioned, that you were in the draft room, did you did you pick up any of those skills from that experience and add that to your work when you became a general manager yourself? I hope so. <laughs> and those are the things you need. I, you know, you watch different people, and you know, specifically, my dad was a, a, a huge mentor. So you see how he uh, integrated with with people, how he he got things done, or what have you. And you know, his personality and my personality are are, are you know a bit different. And I always would say, well, if I had the opportunity, I would do it this way. When I got hired, uh, I got hired by Cliff Fletcher, who is also in the Hall of Fame as a as a builder and you know he became another mentor for me and you know i learned so much from my dad so much from cliff but i think i'm my own man in terms of how how i run you know the, the let's say the predators organization how i integrate with my staff uh, uh players coaches you know all of those uh different different areas but i i learned a ton from them but again you hopefully you know took a lot of things and may, maybe improved on some things and mm. uh you know just try to do do it my way you know, your uncle Don Poyle played as well. And I have a question for you. Do the kids in your family learn to skate before they can walk? <laughs> My uncle's now 90, 91. He had a birthday uh, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, and again, very, very close to my my uncle and he's he's got some some great stories like all the poils do in terms of the the hockey and they grew up in a small town in Canada. The name was Fort Fort William. and my dad actually played as um, as an eighteen year old in the National Hockey League. This was before World War II mm. and his career got interrupted because he went over to uh, to uh, uh, fight for Canada in the war and then he came back and played a little bit more after the war. So, uh, his his brother Don, my uncle, uh, uh, actually played for my dad. My dad was a coach and general manager in uh, Edmonton, which is where I basically grew up, and that was in the Western Hockey League, which is the, minor, the, the second tier after the National Hockey League. And I think that was pretty unique that uh, you know his, his brother played for him for for so many years. So it's lots of lots of stories between my dad and my uncle on on uh, hockey for sure. Yeah, you know, both you and your father won the coveted Lester Patrick Trophy, which that's awarded for outstanding service to hockey. 
from all levels, from the NHL to the Olympic team to World Cup teams. What did that moment mean for you and your family? Well, as uh, you set it up there, it's pretty uh, pretty cool moment when knowing my dad had, had won the same uh, same trophy. And, uh, you know, again, our, the older we get, we we probably see things uh, hopefully with a little bit more, more clarity. And uh, I think when I was younger, I was just so focused on, say the, the moment or what, what had happened this day and your contributions uh, in terms of, you know, giving giving back to the community, doing more for hockey, uh, probably wasn't there at the beginning. But when I moved to uh, uh, Washington, I, I really felt that uh, uh, there, I, I could be of some service in, in terms of uh, doing more, and whether it be in the right in Washington, say in the, in the community or uh, in a bigger picture with USA Hockey, whether it be the World's Championships, juniors, or or the ultimate one would be the the Olympics. And, you know, for many, many years, I, I participated in a lot of that. And I, again, I, I loved every, every, every part of that. So even if the Preds or Caps weren't doing so well, I usually had a World's Championships and I had uh, I part, participated in, uh, as, on a management team for, for two, two Olympics. So you know, the Lester Patrick Award is given to people for for different reasons, but uh, you know, I hope I contributed, you know, a, a, a fair bit there in terms of my time and what I could do to to help grow the game in the United States. I definitely think the game of hockey has a lot to thank you for. Now, you mentioned your college career at Northeastern, but you know, you said you were a pretty good player. But I want the audience to know you still. <laughs> You hold the record for most career hat tricks at 11, and a hat trick everyone is scoring three goals in one game. How does it feel to have your record still standing strong? I'm just a legend. I'm getting better, just like fine wine each year. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I was a unique story. I mean, yes, I was born in Canada, but we moved to the United States at 13 in San Francisco, which did not have a lot of hockey. In fact, the only rink other than the Cow Pellets where the team played, the San Francisco Seals, the, the only rink for minor hockey or for just public skating was over in Berkeley, uh, other side of the bay, which is approximately a 40-mile uh, trip. And the only time I ever got to play hockey was on the on the weekend. So pretty, uh, again, lucky uh, story that I ended up going to Northeastern just as a walk-on uh, Division One school. And I make, I make their team and had a pretty decent career there. I was a uh, captain for, for two years and I scored a lot of goals as you referenced. Thank you uh, for that recognition. But, uh, you know, I, I probably went as far as I could go in terms of my my abilities and Northeastern was great for education. Boston was a fantastic city to experience everything that was there and grow up, if you will. And I think that uh, all that really prepared me for the next step, which was, you know, getting into uh, eventually getting into the management side of hockey. Yeah, you, you moved on. You went to work with the Atlanta Flames that we now know of as, you know, the Calgary Flames, and hockey is really, really big in Atlanta. Now, you know, in Atlanta, in, in Canada, pardon me, you know, in Atlanta, you know, you involved bringing a new hockey team to town in the South, similar to what you did here in Nashville. Did that experience help prepare you for the job here in Music City? Absolutely. Uh, very, you know, fortunate to, you know, start with an expansion team, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> very, uh, very few employees. You got to basically do anything and everything that you wanted. Uh, another reference earlier, Cliff Fletcher was uh, the general manager that hired me. And, uh, you know, basically my thought process was if he's getting in, into the office today at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get there 
five to eight. Uh, whenever he's leaving, I'm not leaving until he leaves. And, and because I did that, I think we grew very close and he could trust me and he gave me more things to do. And I, learning all things on the, you know, the business side, I, uh, I ran the name, the team contest in, in Atlanta for, for the, eventually you got their name, the Atlanta, Atlanta flames. And so I just use that as a, we, 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 because we were such a small staff and who was ever there, you just, you just fell into doing different things. And, uh, that experience absolutely uh, gave me lots of ideas, you know, for for when I took over here in Nashville. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lekalona. We're talking this hour with the outgoing general manager of the Nashville Predators, David Poyle. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Okay, so you know, you served as vice president and GM of the Washington Capitals from for 15 years, from 82 to 97. There you posted a winning record, 594 wins, 454 losses, and 124 ties. In fact, you know, having a winning franchise is kind of your MO, David. I mean, you're the winningest general manager in NHL history with more than 1,500 wins. Tell me, how does that feel? Well, I, again, I'm just, I, I appreciate this interview and <laughs> you've seen all these nice things. I, you, you know, like my timing was really good. Washington, when I got my first general manager job, had been in the league eight years and they had not made the playoffs. And I felt that they were really, really close. And fortunately for me, I, I got the, I got the job at the, I guess you'd say at the, at the right time, I certainly made some, some, some changes with the, with the team. And lo and behold, uh, we made the playoffs the first year and we never, never look back and the, the franchise has really, you know, grown by leaps and bounds and in Washington and obviously proud of the work that I I've done there. And when you have it, when you're uh, have an organization, I mean, you have to have the right people in place. So what I mean by that is you know, like in hockey, uh, we have like amateur scouts, pro scouts, uh, they're out in the field. They're seeing like 200, 250 games a, a year. Uh, you get a lot of information, give you a lot of ideas in terms of player acquisition trades or what have you. So in order for it, the general manager to be successful, I have to have the right right people. I have to have the right coach. I have to have the right players. Our drafting has to be uh, good. Uh, our trades have to be good. There's a lot of things that go into uh, the the whole the whole thing to to get there. So uh, uh, for sure, the wins are are reflective of a of a long career. I'll say it that way, but mm. also pretty good winning per percentage and pretty good uh, success, especially in the regular uh, regular season. And I uh, I'm, I'm I'm proud that I've been the general manager of both Washington and Nashville, and we've really had good teams in both both uh, both places. And I would be totally remiss if I did not thank all of the my assistants over the years, coaches, scouts, uh, and all the players that uh, have played for me because it's a it's a total team thing, which again is one of the big attractions for me for this this job is it's not this is not an individual sport. This is not uh, as a general manager. I never did things just by myself. I always was very inclusive, uh, getting people's thoughts, ideas, opinions before I took action. So uh, uh, to say thank you for bringing that up. I'm really proud of the most wins by any, any general manager. And I'm really proud of the people that I worked with over the years. It's a really amazing accomplishment. And, you know, I grew up just outside of Baltimore and I have a lot of friends who are Capitals fans. And uh, I, they, they want to thank you for helping to turn that franchise around. And, you know, you went from turning DC around to starting the franchise in Nashville and you've stayed for a really long time. I mean, a lot of GMs don't stay with the team for 25 years. Mm -hmm. 
Why have you dedicated all of this time to the team and the city? Well, I had to, when I lost my job in Washington, I had a, a couple of interviews and I had a chance to uh, go in a different direction, obviously to a more established team. But, uh, you know, my dad started two expansion teams, uh, Philadelphia Flyers and the Vancouver Canucks. And I was part of one expansion team with the Atlanta Flames, but I was uh, I was not the the general manager. And I really felt that if the, and I was ho hoping, and that was my plan, that this would be my last job, that if I did this correctly, and, and, and my vision obviously was, you know, for a uh, national, a, a non-traditional uh, hockey city, or not, not a hockey city at all, actually, to become become a hockey, hockey city, that the Predators become a part of the fabric of Nashville and of Tennessee, that we play winning brand, brand of hockey, and that the Predators were really well accepted and well liked uh, in Nashville. That was my vision coming in here. And I, I thought if I could do that, that would be better than anything else I could choose, any other team I could choose. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I had my thoughts, I had my plans, I had my, my goals. And uh, uh, as I said at the top of the interview, this, uh, this is probably the best decision I ever made for myself professionally and for, for my family. So no regrets with Nashville. Now, the Preds is an expansion team. And for the first five years, they didn't make the playoffs. Tell me, how, how are you trying to improve the team during that time? Well, when uh, expansion 25 years ago, with all due respect, uh, the, the the protected list team the teams were allowed to have, the meaning uh, the, what they made available for for teams was was really not great not really fair so it was really hard to be competitive uh by the way we've changed that at the owner's level with these expansion teams vegas seattle are much more competitive uh starting as you see vegas just won the stanley cup so it was it was difficult uh you know the first you know few years there's a lot of players that we had kind of got and basically uh not trying to be disrespectful our whole idea was to try to turn them over into new players, younger players, get some players from the draft. And that, that's just a process that takes a little bit of, bit of time. But I thought we were making really good inroads in the community. I mean, uh, the people seem to love the love the game when we could get them out, out here. Our, our coaches, our players were fantastic and continue to be fantastic in the community, giving back to, to Nashville in terms of lots of community community service and uh, the players like playing here. Uh, they let everybody know that they like playing here. Uh, you know, we started, you know, drafting, getting our own star players, turning the team around, and eventually we became a very competitive team and, and have been for the most part for, uh, you know, the last 20 years. Yeah, that's right. I mean, 15 playoff appearances in 25 years is not bad at all. And in 2017, the team made the Stanley Cup Finals. And, you know, I wasn't here in town yet, but from what I hear, the city was on fire with excitement about the team. What was that run like? That will be my number one memory, probably forever. Uh, it, uh, as I said earlier, you, you you take a job and you have a vision. You have goals of what you want it to look like. Well, that's what it looked like. I mean, uh, everything was predators. Whether you went to any store, or any bar, uh, people around town. It was the whole the whole buzz of course the, the building was sold out uh downtown on game nights was like fifty thousand people down downtown to watch the game on on some video screens it was just fan fantastic and uh it's uh you know i, I 
other, other than winning, I can't believe it could be a better, better feeling in terms of the, the growth, the popularity, and just the, that if, if there's a defining moment, like this is, this is National Predators hockey, this is what it looks like. So that, that was the best. And, uh, you know, the goal going forward here, uh, well, to, to not only replicate that moment again, but to, to go one step further. Now, you know, the Preds have had some really great regular seasons, but the playoff success has been limited since that run. And aside from that run in 2017, the team didn't qualify for the playoffs this season. What's it going to take for the Predators to get back to the playoffs and make a deep run? Well, we're going to have to uh, be uh, really, really good. I think the first pipeline would be our amateur draft, which is coming up in a couple of weeks here in Nashville. We've uh, we're taking a step back this year by not making the playoffs. And when we took that step back, what we fortunately did, we've got a lot of assets. We've got a lot of draft picks. We've got, uh, we've traded for a couple of younger players. We've got a pretty good pipeline of younger players in our farm club in Milwaukee. Um, so I, this is probably that step back to take uh, maybe two giant steps forward. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a reset with the Predators, but I think it's going to be quickly uh, back to a competitive situation. And, you know, we were, after the 17 run, we we hung on in 18. We, we we won the President's Trophy, which is the best team in the regular season, but we couldn't get it done in the, in the playoffs. And then we, you know, slowly but surely started to get a little bit older and it was time to make the changes. So I'm comfortable at... Uh, that that came under my watch. And I, I think Barry Trotz, the new general manager, is comfortable under his watch that uh, he's got a lot of a lot of younger players, a lot of assets, if you will, through draft picks and through players in Milwaukee to to build this team. And uh, you know, it might take a little bit of time, but I I, I think and feel that we're we're back on the right track to get our team back up and to be competitive and to compete for the Stanley Cup in the near future. Now, you and Barry Trotz go back a long time. He was the former coach of the Predators. And as you just mentioned, he'll be the next GM of the team. You hired him, but you also fired him as well. Tell me, what makes you confident that he's the right person to lead the team next? Well, you know, as you said, I've known Barry. He came to my first training camp. I was a general manager in Washington. He was a player, and he didn't make it. But uh, Jack Button, who was our director of pers- personnel at that time, he saw something in Barry uh, that uh, he wanted to keep him sort of affiliated with the organization. So Barry went to coach at a very young age, and then eventually the Washington Capitals, we hired him as a scout. We hired him next as an assistant coach in, the, in our minor league team, then our head coach for our minor league team. And then I gave him the chance here in Washington, excuse me, in Nashville to be our, our head coach. And I just saw a young guy that's continued growth. I mean, uh, you know, coached at every level, played at, uh, you know, different levels. I mean, nothing given to him. And I really felt that he uh, was a kind of the coach of the, of the future and that he could identify with our, our players. And I was right on that. That was, again, probably one of my best hirings ever. And Barry has continued to grow. As you said, I fired him. Uh, it was nine years ago. We had a 15-year run, which is one of the longest runs ever by a coach in the National Hockey League. I like to say I loaned him to uh, Washington, where he won yeah. a Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. and then the, the Islanders for a couple of years. And and he learned a lot there under a couple of general managers, and Brian McClellan and uh, legendary manager Lou Lamarillo, probably one of the best managers ever in the National Hockey League. Uh, Barry and I always stayed in contact. Uh, when he was here in Nashville, I, uh, I I always included him in meetings and scouting meetings and different things like that. So I think maybe slowly he's been, I've been kind of been part of training him for this, this position. So 
uh, I'm pretty pretty confident he's the guy. He loves Nashville. He loves the Predators. His family's moved back to Nashville before I even hired him. Um, he's going to live in Nashville. It's uh, he's a hockey guy, and uh, I, I think he's up for the challenge to do something different than than coaching. So uh, uh, the, the transition has gone very very well, and uh, I like the way Barry handles things, does things, and uh, it's, I'm very confident that. Uh, this is the best I could do in, to pass the torch to Barry. I know all the Predators fans are going to be excited to see what comes next. First, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Predators GM David Poyle and talk about the impact the team has had on our city. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Kalona, and this is Nashville. My guest this hour is David Poyle, the outgoing general manager of our beloved Nashville Predators. 25 years ago, before the Preds came to town, there were plenty of skeptics when it came to our city being able to host an NHL team. Well, it's fair to say that those skeptics have been silenced. Our city is a certified hockey town with David Poyle, and David Poyle is a major reason why. So let's talk with him about how he helped Nashville become Smashville. David Poyle, thanks again for being here today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is great. So, you know, you helped transform Nashville into a major market for hockey. But before I ask you how you did that, I want to know, what you thought when you first came here to Nashville? What were your impressions? Um, my my impressions uh, were I was always coming to a much smaller city than Washington D.C. I was coming to a non-traditional market. I mean, they had some minor league hockey in Nashville, but nothing like the, the National Hockey League. So, I sort of felt that uh, my experiences in Atlanta. Uh, would would really help. I also thought maybe uh, my experiences in Washington because Washington didn't have a long history of of hockey there either before the National League came. So I was really focused in on the on the hockey part more so than the uh, you know the, the city city itself or you know how it how it's set up. Though as soon as I got here and after a couple of years, I the, all the dynamics of the city and music industry and where we're located and on Broadway, I, I just realized how all these all go together and how all these advantages that we had as a, as a franchise. And it's, it became clearer and clearer to me that if we can put a good product on, on the ice and if we can get out in the community and we can get people to a couple of, couple of games that uh, we could uh, sell anybody on the, you know, the game of hockey sells itself. We just have to get you, uh, you people that have never been to a game, we got to get you to a couple of games, and uh, and that's exactly how it how it went. So, uh, like, I, like I just love the story of, of how it all all came together. You guys did the hockey one hundred and one classes. Tell me about that experience, introducing the town to the game of hockey. Well, again, we had uh, such great people, and still do with Pete Weber, uh, uh, one of our broadcasters, Terry Crisp. Uh, they. 
they're probably known to more people in Nashville than some of them, or most of our players because hmm. they're out in the community uh, so much. But we tried a lot of things really off the wall, like you say, Hockey 101, where just go over basic rules. We did some things specifically for women, hockey and heels. We did uh, like a wine event, just any any different thing. We were out to the YMCA's, uh, uh, you know, play floor hockey, and, and anything to get out in the community, anything to 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 try to uh, you know sell the, the game of of hockey. And there's a lot of other people in the organization, whether it's going to the you know, Kiwanis clubs or you know uh, any any civic uh, organizations that we we try to get a presence there and. Uh, as I said to you earlier, that you're interviewing me, but there's so many people that meant so much to to get that franchise to where it is is today. And um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of again what what I've done. But there's so many other people that did did other other things. And then you know, eventually the team uh, started winning more. And uh, there's nothing like winning to uh, capture uh, you know first time viewers and. Uh, and it just just went from there. Mm-hmm. And you know, you also did a lot of events. In 2003, Nashville hosted the NHL draft. Tell me about the moment in roll call when the Predators' name was announced. That was a cool moment too. I mean, uh, what the NHL didn't know, and and maybe we didn't know. I think Nashville knew was that if if there's somebody that can. Uh, uh, throw a real good party or a good event, it's Nashville. They always have, they always will. And we got onto that, as you said, the 033 draft. Uh, I think we set a record for the number of people that came to watch the draft that that year. Uh, when, when you hold an event, and in this case, the draft brought people from all over the world, meaning agents, players, media, because the players were from not only Canada, the United States, but say Sweden, Finland, Russia, Czechoslovakia. So it was a another great marketing thing for Nashville. So everybody had a had a, had a great time at the draft, uh, uh, you know, downtown in Nashville with you know the restaurants, the, the all the music, those those types of things. And you know, we got a lot of publicity out of that. Is how great of a city uh, Nashville was, and you got to go visit it. And it's going to be a hockey town. And and oh, by the way, we had a great draft too. We drafted Shea Weber, became one of our, our became our, one of our captains. Uh, Ryan Suter, Kevin Klein, and it was that was the kind of the draft that I would say turned us around or set us in the right direction to start being a more more competitive club. You know, and since that time, uh, other people on the business side, Sean Henry, uh, uh, Michelle Kennedy, for example, they've we, we've reached out to the NHL, and the, now the NHL has reached out. For us, with different events, we were having the All Star Game uh, in in sixteen, and that was the first time they played three on three hockey. And again, the city set up unbelievably. The weather turned out to be great, so all the streets were closed in that and downtown Nashville, and all everybody could just walk around. From there was there was fun and games everywhere. Plus, the game itself was exciting, and just another great international event. And then we had the the Winter uh, the Winter Classic and. Uh, and now we're going to have the, the draft again here in a couple of weeks in, in, in Nashville. I know it's going to be great. I know it's going to be a really, really good draft for, for our team. And again, just like in 03, you're looking for that event, that turning point. Uh, hopefully this this will be the same for, for the Predators and, and, our, uh, and our team. You know, since the Predators were created, the NHL has added three more expansion teams. Did any of those teams seek counsel from you on how to get a local fan base involved and excited? 
Uh, I think uh, they they certainly did mo more so on the business side than than specifically the hockey side, uh, and you can see that if you look at the Las Vegas. I, with all due respect, I think uh, I mean first of all they put on a great great show in their building as as we do, but I think that they've you know copied or expanded on a lot of our our ideas. But I think that's happened around the league in terms of having you know live music in your building, uh, having that uh, you know. A party or something, some activities uh, outside your building on the plaza here in Nashville, those types of things. And I think the, the NHL was just probably missing the boat on that a little bit. That there's there's more than just just the game. As as I say, when you come to Nashville, I mean, I don't want to say forget the game, but it's hard not having a good time coming to a Predators game. Mm. You can come down earlier, and there's lots of stuff going on at our plaza. Or you might have dinner downtown or go listen to some music. Uh, the the in-game production and hopefully the game of hockey is really good. And after the game, you can just go back out on, on Broadway to to enjoy the rest of your evening. Nobody, there's no franchise that sets up as good as this. Maybe Vegas because of all the casinos, but <laughs> it's 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 just a fantastic experience to come to a Predators game. I definitely enjoyed the time when I went to a game. I think you guys beat. Um... Cleve, uh, Columbus 6-1. to one. It was a smashing, and it was a great time. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake-Alona. We're talking this hour with the outgoing general manager of the Nashville Predators, David Poyle. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, now, David, the flood of 2010 and 2020 and the 2020 tornadoes, they really, really shook the city. How did the Predators help people during those difficult times? Well, our... Uh our community relations, our business side, I mean, uh, our, our relationships with the leaders in, in Nashville, and I would say probably Brentwood Franklin, all these other areas is uh, is fantastic. And, and I think our, our network, because we are, we're a big part of, I said earlier, the fabric of the city. Uh, I think when times like that, it just becomes almost automatic. It didn't happen like at the, at the beginning, but I mean, I think we can be counted on all, all the time by the, by the city, by individuals, by, by schools, uh, you know, whatever the situ situation might be, the predators are, are ready to participate. The predators are ready to, to help help out and the predators are prepared. I mean, we, we want to do this. It's not, this is not an imposition. We want to be counted on as, as, as being a community, a community organization and whether it be our, uh, <clears throat> our business side or the hockey side or our players, we're, we are ready to, to help out whenever we can. You know, I understand that you're helping out in that form after tragic events like the tornado and the flood really helps people. But sometimes just watching the game can help folks, too. And people really seem to rally around the Preds in 2020. Tell me how just playing the games helped to lift people's spirits. Well, I mean, I you know can't speak for yourself, but I... I mean, I'm watching a lot of hockey games, but I also, from time to time, watch a lot of other sports. And I think it's a great, uh, you know, a great out outlet for myself and my and my family. And you know, to to go, you know, watch watch sports, do different things. We all like like different things. But you know, I I, I know I'm I'm retiring, but I know I'm going to be going to lots of hockey games hmm. because I'm not going to be staying at home just to say to watch TV or. You know, or I mean, yes, I'll read a book, but I want to do something that's that's live and something that I that I enjoy. And I think we are in the entertainment business, and we do entertain, just like we were talking earlier. Whether it's 
at Bridgestone Arena. It's our location on Broadway. It's Nashville, Tennessee. It's the music. We're all part of that. So uh, if you want to have a good time in your life, come to a Predators game. And you can see that. I mean, it's not just, you know, uh, like uh, the, the husband's coming or all-male audience. I mean, I think our crowds are almost 50-50 male and female. And obviously, we get a lot of kids. The youth hockey's grown tremendously in the last 25 years in, in Nashville. So, you know, we got a lot of diversity at our at our at our games because it's fun. And I think people are you want you want to have a good good night out. I mean, I, I think we're pretty represented. If you say what what do you what would you be looking for to have a good good night out in Nashville? I think we're near the top of the list on that. Yeah, that's something that I was told when I first came to town, you know. But thinking about it, not everyone is a fan of sports, and sometimes people feel like cities like Nashville invest more into pro sports teams than critical issues like infrastructure, housing, and education. It's been a big part of the conversation around the new $2 billion Titan Stadium deal. Tell me, David, what do you say to people who oppose city investments in pro sports? Well, that's a, you know, that's a fair question, and, uh, and I think the, the, the arguments by by people are probably well well founded in, in in terms of what their priorities are. It's, it's, it's easier for me to to speak as to what's happened with the predators. I mean, we asked me a while back what did my impressions of Nashville. Well, Nashville was it was a great city when I got here, but it's a better city now. It's it's grown. It's it's more vibrant. Uh, the predators. Have brought a lot to the to city, as have the Titans, and I think it's a big part of the community. I think there are some really nice places to live in the United States that don't have professional sports, but the places that do, and Nashville, recent in their history of getting these these uh, you know the NBA, excuse me, the NFL and the NHL, I, I think it's really benefited uh, the, the the city and. On, on so many, so many different levels that you, you know, it was, it's all all connected. So, I I have a tough time putting up in this interview, just putting a, a price tag on it, uh, you know, for uh, for what what we've done. But I I would be hard pressed to think that we have not brought value to the to the to the city. Now you've seen the city grow exponentially. Tell me, what are some areas that you think need attention? <laughs> I uh, I came to Nashville it was a little little old Nashville and now you know now we're have that uh, a little bit more of that big city feel so you know my my fifteen minute commute is now twenty minutes you know I I can live with that do do we want that to be a little bit better sure but I I, do, I don't think there's you know too I mean too many things that are wrong with the city of Nashville I think we're always want to uh, work on, on things that are more important than this, you know, like for sports here, but, you know, whether it's the infrastructure of the city or like education, I think that's a big, big topic uh, uh, now. And there's other big, big, big topics that, that uh, need, need to improve the, the city. But I mean, I think we have the leadership, continue to have the leadership that we're always seem to be going in the, in the right direction. I mean, that's my opinion. I, I, I feel that way. And, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's no different than running the hockey team. I mean, yeah, I think we've done good. I'm proud of what we've done, but can we do better? Yes, we need to do better. And the same with, with Nashville. And if you get the right people 
in charge with the right uh, visions. I, there's no reason why Nashville can't continue to, to grow in the right direction on so many different fronts. You know, even though you're a Canadian, would you say you're a Nashvillian now? Absolutely. 25 years is the longest I've ever lived uh, lived anywhere. And we we continue to, we will continue after I retire to, to stay in, in Nashville. I mean, as I said earlier, probably some, certainly some travel and seeing some different things, but Nashville is a home base for Elizabeth and David Poyle. So as you prepare to step away, David, what do you want to say to Preds fans? Uh, thank, thanks for, for <laughs> bringing me on board. Craig Leopold, who Jack Baylor first hired me. Uh, I, I just hope that everybody's enjoyed the journey and will continue to enjoy the journey. Uh, like I said earlier, no regrets for me. It's, it's lived up to all my expectations, all my visions, all my goals in terms of how I thought this would, would, would be. I mean, again, I can't you know, specifically to say you want to win a Stanley Cup. Of course, I want to. I want to win, win that and we'll continue to strive to do that. But in terms of all of the other things, the impact that the Predators have on a daily basis in, in Nashville and families and people and what we've done in the community, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with myself in terms of uh, what, uh, what's taking place under my watch as a general manager. And I'm confident that the future is only going to get bigger and better. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Hall of Fame is in the future. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> David Poyle is the winningest general manager in NHL history. He is stepping down from his post as the general manager of the Predators at the end of this month. David, congratulations on a great career, and thank you for helping to bring hockey to Music City. Thank you. You're very prepared. You did a great job. I really, really appreciate it. Look forward to meeting you someday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burden. Our senior producer is Steve Farouche. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tutho. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Katie Cafiero. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other and go Preds.